Acts and the 16th chapter, the book of Acts and the 16th chapter, I would like to read from the 16th verse. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet Fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, oh hallelujah, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I want to preach this morning. And I really had sought after the Lord because I had two or three different messages I wanted to preach and tried to preach. But I just couldn't get away from what I felt the Lord would have for us this morning. And I just want to preach for a few moments on the subject, When God Puts a Praiser in the Prison. When God Puts a Praiser in the Prison. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there any praisers in the house of God today? Hallelujah. Come on, if if, if there's a praise in your soul, why don't you just let it up and out of your soul right now? Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord God, our heavenly Father, help us to feel after the Holy Ghost this morning. Pour out the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. Help us, I pray, to receive the double portion you have intended for every person in this place. You have brought us to this moment to hear and to receive your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that there be an impartation of Holy Ghost power. Hallelujah. Power to set free. Power to deliver. Power to heal. Hallelujah. To the uttermost. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, we praise your name. We lift you up in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing.
prison, the very word conjures up so many different feelings and fears. Nobody wants to go to prison. It is this very difficult place, this challenging place that has had a place in society for a long time. It is a place where people uh, go when they have broken the law and have been charged, sentenced, judged, and sentenced. Paying a debt to society, and sometimes it even happens when they, when they uh, perhaps are falsely accused. And it is a lonely place, a place where time passes, years go by. People lose track of time, and many times they lose sight of life, lose sight of future and perspective. Often feel that this is the end of the road. Never dreamed that I would arrive at this point in my life. And so they find themselves in prison. Now, I have to say that we're reading an account about a prison and about a time in which prisons were probably different than they are now, certainly in our nation. The fact that our prisons are governed with certain human rights ideals is evidence again to the fact that America strives and at least should strive to be a Christian nation to be a nation that is willing to practice the noble virtues treating people as human beings we remember that God is everyone's judge we remember that God is Slow to anger, fierce in anger. And when God decides to exact judgment, he does exact judgment. And when God decides to show mercy, he does show mercy. The matter of prison was very important to Jesus. It really was. Jesus said concerning prison in one place, he said, I was in prison. And you, to some, you did visit me, and to others, you did not visit me. Those who were standing by within earshot said, when saw we thee in prison? He said, when you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Jesus had a heart for those who were locked behind bars. I'm thankful for those in our assembly who go behind the bars and preach the gospel to those who are in prison. Let's give God praise for that this morning. There is no, there is no telling the thoughts, the feelings of those who are locked behind bars. Many times it is an opportunity for soul searching. Sometimes Hopelessness sets in, despondency sets in, and a person spirals even further than what they had been before they arrived. But nonetheless, Jesus had a heart for those that, that, that could not reach out beyond their circumstances. Whatever brought them there, whatever decision was made, whatever choices were made, whatever circumstances were, Jesus had a concern about those who were locked, and that's a powerful word, locked. Locked out of life. Locked out of normal circumstances. Sometimes people grow up with an idea that they'll probably arrive at that point. I remember a childhood friend who showed me picture after picture of his family and said this one was in prison for this, 
That one was in prison for that. This one did time for this. That one is currently doing time for that. He knew my family background, that we were preachers. And he said, I guess you're destined to be a preacher. And I'm destined to be a prisoner. He chuckled. But I thought, what a, what a tragedy. And I spoke up. I said, it doesn't have to be that way. But several years later, when I was preaching the gospel and went to the detention center, I walked in with my Bible under arm. And who walked up to me as an inmate? But... His childhood friend. Some people are raised with a lie from the enemy that their life cannot overcome these hurdles. This makes our, our role as the church even that much more important. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, where you are this morning or what has brought you to this place or where your mind is right now, but I have come to preach to you the hope of this gospel. When you read the words of the Lord Jesus, he was deeply concerned about those who were behind bars. Now, he, 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 he was, I mean, he's a, he's a lawful God. He created the law. When we Love his law, it is a good thing. And, and, and he is pleased with those who love his law. But his law is to be inscribed in our hearts. His law is to fill the members of our body. His law is to govern our actions and our deeds and our thoughts. And his law is love. And his law is perfect. And his law is liberty. Hallelujah. His law is pure. His law is kindness. His law is so complete that if you'll ever surrender to it, it will totally encompass your life and give you perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon him. And so when he looked off into it, it didn't matter what kind of prison a person was in whether they were in the natural prison that I've described with complete with locks and bars and guards and shackles and stocks and bonds or perhaps a prison of disease, maybe a prison of depression, perhaps a prison of condemnation, a prison of self-worthlessness, Jesus saw people all around him who were in prisons. And the Bible says that when he would look upon the multitudes and see the diseased folks, for instance, he would be moved with compassion. When he saw people whose bodies were ravaged by diseases like leprosy, he was moved with compassion. When he saw people who could not speak. Something was wrong with the mechanisms of their mouth and they could not speak. It moved him with compassion. When he saw people who could not hear, people who could not see, people who could not walk. You know, he ran into people like that all the time. I wonder why we don't run into people like that all the time. Could it be that we are avoiding folks? Could it be that we are trying to spend more and more time around those who are more like us and less with people who have serious, serious need in their lives? Can I just preach to you this morning? But Jesus looked upon people. He, he walked out of his house every day and went looking for folks who were in prison prison of physical deficiency, prisons of emotional trauma, prisons of mental anguish, prisons of familial crisis, prison, actual natural prison. And he was moved with compassion for these people. Never was it supposed to be this way. And he knew that. When some folks saw someone with a 
physical condition that so ailed their body they were unable to function why it had become so and still is so much a part of our society that we think nothing of it perhaps we might have a little sympathy and pity but we don't think it's strange Jesus thought it strange because this isn't how it was supposed to be I drove down the road the other day and every place I looked was some other preventative measure that man has had to take to try to prevent some sort of tragedy in people's lives. Whether it was a spine institute or a vision center or some kind of, a, of an insurance plan to be prepared in case of tragedy. It's so much a normal part of our life we don't think one thing about it. But if Jesus walks around and sees the vision center and sees the insurance plans and sees the spine institute and sees one clinic, one hospital after another, he's moved with compassion. Because in God's plan, we are to be free from every type of prison. We are to be free from every emotional prison. We are to be free from every mental prison. We are to be free from every natural prison. We are to be free from every type of anguish that can afflict our minds and our bodies. We are to be free. Oh, hallelujah. This is God's plan. This is God's will. And I want to preach to somebody this morning who perhaps you don't feel very free. Maybe you don't realize that Jesus paid it all. Maybe you don't understand this morning that Jesus, hallelujah, shed precious blood upon the cross of Calvary to deliver you from every type of anguish that the enemy would try to perpetrate against you. But in the name of Jesus Christ, through the word of God, we're going to declare unto you that you are in fact free. And if you'll know this truth, this truth will make you free. And he whom the Son makes free is free indeed. This isn't some kind of a fanciful thing. This isn't some metaphor, some analogy. But this is real, real freedom. Oh, hallelujah. I remember our friend, Brother Don Kreckler, in his wheelchair. And he no longer had a leg on his, on his uh, body. He had one leg, and the other had been removed. And he was in his wheelchair before he passed away. The song was being sung, I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. And I saw Brother Don Kreckler lift up his hands and sing as loud as he could. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. Because on this fallen earth, things had taken a turn that the enemy had hoped would keep him in bondage. But I serve a God. Oh, hallelujah. Who steps down into our most difficult circumstances. Oh, hallelujah. And he breaks the shackles that the devil intended for evil. And he gives us a testimony of his love. He gives us a testimony of his mighty power. And we can truly say, regardless of what circumstances I find myself, I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to live my life for the Lord. The apostle Paul was one such man who had received freedom from almighty God. You got to understand what it felt like for Saul who was on his road to Damascus. This man who was filled with hostility toward the Christian people. The idea that Christian people were propagating this gospel of Jesus Christ infuriated Saul. And Saul was high ranking in the religious world. Saul was armed with documents that gave him authority to persecute Christians. They had already stoned Stephen, a high-profile Christian leader with promising 
prospects. A conference preacher, if you please. Somebody that people look to for spiritual direction. And Stephen sat there surrounded by a religious world intent to murder him. And while he sat in front of them, he didn't sit quietly. He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel from Abraham to Moses. He preached the gospel from Moses to Jesus. And he said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Why are you so stiff-necked? But let this gospel be to you what it's intended to be. And with that, they rose up and they stoned Stephen in front of everybody, making an example out of him. If you want to preach this gospel, this is what's going to happen to you next. If you want to live your life for the Lord, then you can expect something along these lines. And Saul was there. The Bible says it this way, oh so delicately. He was consenting unto the death of Stephen. It's kind of an old English way of saying that he was all in on the murder of Stephen the preacher. This is the kind of man Saul was. And he did all of it in the name of God, quote unquote. But while he was riding down the road to Damascus to deliver this persecution to more Christians, there arose a light shining above the brightness of the sun. It was so bright that he couldn't see any longer. It knocked him off of his high horse. He fell down into the road. And looking up into the light, but unable now to see, he realized there's only one who has this kind of power. There's only one. And I know because I'm schooled in the ways of the Hebrews. I come from the tribe of Benjamin. I am zealous of the law, a Pharisee. I understand who this is, but maybe I don't because I'm trying to do his bidding. And when he looked up into the heavens, knowing that this had to be and could be none other than Jehovah, he said, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do what I think you want me to do. But apparently, I have stepped off course somewhere. So tell me, who are you anyway, Jehovah? Nothing could have prepared him for the answer. Because Jehovah said, I am Jesus. Hallelujah. This was shocking news to hear Jehovah God, Elohim, El Shaddai, the one true and living God, the invisible God of Israel, the holy, the high, and the exalted one of Israel, say to him, I am Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? Knowing that this meant certain death. Knowing that this meant a lightning bolt was going to come from somewhere. Knowing that this meant the earth was about to open up and swallow him like Korah. Knowing that the anger and the wrath and the indignation of God was going to pour down like fire and brimstone. Saul waited for the appropriate response from Jehovah God. But he had no idea that there had been a transition into a dispensation of grace. That this was a time of great grace. Ha! This was a time of sufficient grace. Ha! This was a time of amazing grace. Ha! ha. And he said, I'm not going to strike you with a lightning bolt. I'm going to fill you with my power. And you're going to be a preacher for my sake. And you're going to leave. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Maybe some of you remember. When God could have, but he didn't. Maybe some of you remember when he should have, but he wouldn't. Maybe you remember when you had transgressed, but he forgave. Maybe somebody in this house can recall when God could have given up, but instead he held your hand and walked you through. Uh, it so changed Saul. It so changed the Apostle Paul that we find him writing to the church at Rome, saying to the church at Rome, listen, 
I may not go into a whole lot of detail, but I just want to make sure you understand something about the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I know you may want me to expound. Let me just say this from personal experience. I am persuaded that nothing, you don't know how low down I'd gone. You don't understand how deep the valley, you don't know how dark the tunnel, and he still loved me. He refused to stop loving me. I am persuaded that nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I don't care if a snake jumps out and bites me nothing shall separate me it doesn't matter if you wreck my ship nothing shall separate me beat me with your whips beat me with your rods but nothing shall separate me from the love of God I I I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ that loved me. If God before me, who can be against me? This is just some stuff I learned along the way. Hallelujah. Nothing in this present world, hallelujah, is even comparable to the glory that shall be revealed afterwards in us. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation. So, so pardon me while I praise him. Pardon me while I lift him up. You weren't there to see what he did for me. I'm standing under the awesomeness of his mighty power. He's capable of issuing fire to consume me and send me to hell. He could do it right now. I've got letters on my person indicting me. I'm guilty, 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 guilty. But God who is rich in mercy. God who is rich in mercy. So that's why he said rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. This is why he said in everything give thanks. Oh he said speak to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Make melody in your heart to the Lord. Praise him. Praise him. Praise ye the Lord. Praise his holy name. He is worthy of the praise. It doesn't matter what people say about him. I know he's worthy to be praised. It doesn't matter what the atheists or the agnostics try to say he is or isn't. I know because of what he's done for me that he's worthy to be praise when nothing else could help love lifted me when nobody wanted me love lifted me I, I will never cease I will never cease to praise him I just will never cease to praise him and Paul took that message through the Gentile nations you better be thankful and me too because that's why we're here today. We're not here today because of our connection to Abraham. Our connection to Abraham is by the mercy of God. We're no physical relation to Abraham today, many, most. But thank God Almighty that he grafted us in to that family tree. Gave us opportunity to have a blessing from God. 
I walk in blessing. I live in blessing. And it's only by the mercy of God. Hallelujah. I said it's only. If you think I'm going to stop praising him, you had to lost your mind. It is only by his mercy that I'm not in hell right now. It is only by his It's not by any good that I have done. It's by his mercy and his grace and his love. Hey. May I remind somebody, if you're sitting a little high on your horse, come on down off your high horse and give him praise because it's by his blood and by his mercy that you and I can even praise his name. The Apostle Paul got in the habit of just following after the Holy Ghost. Going wherever the Holy Ghost told him to go. And it didn't matter what would befall him in these places. They would warn him, you don't want to go there because great tribulation will come. And the Apostle Paul would say, you think I don't know that? I'm expecting that. But the gospel must be preached. So he would travel. One night he had a vision. And in this vision, there was a man. The Bible calls him a man of Macedonia. Calling out, come over and help us. Come over and help us. And this was Macedonia. Paul rose up and said, I'm going to Macedonia. And I'm going to preach this gospel to the Macedonian people. God, hallelujah, God has called me to preach. That's an exciting thing. That's an exciting thing to think about. That God would call you to preach his gospel. And can I tell you, every one of us have been called to preach his gospel. He said, go ye into all the world and preach my gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. He wasn't talking to a select few. When you got the Holy Ghost, you ordained to preach his gospel. When you were covered by his blood, you ordained to preach his gospel. You say, but, but I, don't, I don't know how to use words right. Then just live his gospel. I said live his gospel. Be a living epistle, read and known of all men. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul went to Macedonia. Now, this is exciting. God called me to preach. I'm going to Macedonia. I can't wait to see what kind of Red Seas I'm going to part. What kind of walls of Jericho I'm going to bring down. I can't wait to see all that God is going to use me to do. And he gets there. And as soon as he arrives, he starts having revival. The first person that he meets is a man, woman by the name of Lydia. He ministers to Lydia. She was a seller of purple. Purple was not something that was just easy to come by. Purple was worn by royalty. And so she was a seller of what royal people wore. And when Paul preached the gospel, he didn't just convert people. He converted people and industries. This was a problem for those industries because when the person got the Holy Ghost, the corruption got burned out. When the person was washed in the blood of the Lamb, the deception got cleansed out. Oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. When somebody went down in the name of Jesus, all of the lying, all of the deceitful practices, all of the abusive policies, all of the man-made concoctions to make money at any cost and at the cost of anybody, all of it got washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when they came up out of that water, they were pure. Pure motives. Pure minds. Pure spirits. Pure words. Lydia and the whole purple industry was just converted. 
and he's going around preaching the gospel to folks, telling them Jesus saves. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he's telling them what God had done for him, how God brought him out, how God forgave him, how God saved him, how God lifted him. And there's a woman that starts following his crowd. And the Bible says that she had in her a spirit of divination. This spirit of divination is a, is a wicked spirit because it tries to divine the things of God. It's, an, it's a spirit that actually attempts understanding God without the person of Jesus Christ. It is not a surrendered spirit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a witchcraft spirit. It is a rebellious spirit. It is a stubborn spirit who tries to understand the things of the holy without being surrendered and submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And so she starts saying some things. And the things she's saying, i got to be honest with you. Wouldn't have sounded all that bad to me. These be the great men of God who come to show us the way of salvation. What would you call me? A great man of God. That's what I thought you said. I think I'll keep you around a little while. Here, hold the microphone. Say that again. He's a great man of God. Yeah, that's right. You say that every time I get done preaching. You say that every time I get done talking. You keep telling me how great I am. And I'll keep on overlooking the spirit of divination inside of you. That's why you and I, ladies and gentlemen, must be led by the Holy Ghost. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We can't become hungry for the praise of humankind. We need to be hungry to please God. This unclean spirit was willing to praise Paul. But not praise God. And Paul caught it. Finally, it grieved him. He said, wait a minute. Say that again. No, the way you said it last time. And he realized this is an unclean spirit. This is a demon inside of this woman. Did that unclean spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. In the same hour. The Bible says he came out. It's a, it's a he, folks. It's a spirit. It's not, it's, not, it's not some figment of one's imagination. It's an unclean spirit. And that same hour, that spirit came out of her, and she became a follower of Jesus Christ. He just converted another industry because she was a psychic fortune teller. You know what I say? We just go convert the psychics and the fortune tellers. We don't need to throw stones at people who are in bondage and in sin. We need to preach the gospel to them and see them saved. When she converted, it shut down the whole fortune-telling industry in Macedonia. And they had all these psychic hotlines all set up. And they were making bukus of money off of this woman who was possessed with a spirit of divination. And when she got the Holy Ghost, she said, I can't be a psychic anymore. When she was washed in the blood of the Lamb, she said, I'm not going to practice witchcraft anymore. I'm not going to dabble in this divination any longer. And she repented, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name, followed after Jesus Christ. And it made the merchants mad. The merchants grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace and said, these men are disturbing our way of life. They didn't say anything about, they just made us lose a ton of money because this woman no longer does her psychic gig. He said, they said they are disturbing our way of life. They teach us customs that are not lawful for us to receive. They're messing everything up in our town, in our community, and they need to go to prison. Paul is thinking, wait, wait. I'm called of God to Macedonia. 
I don't have time to be in some prison. I'm supposed to be in Macedonia preaching the gospel. I'm supposed to be on, on the platform in 15 minutes. I'm supposed to be in, I'm supposed to be behind a pulpit. My name is supposed to be in the Pentecostal Herald. I'm scheduled, I'm scheduled, I'm scheduled to preach the gospel. But God said, I'm going to create the platform from where you will preach. Because I've got some folks who can't hear you down at the convention center. I've got some folks who can't make it Sunday at 10.30 a.m. I've got some folks, oh hallelujah, this was before the internet. I got some folks who can't tune into the podcast. I've got some folks who need to hear this gospel. They're in bondage. They're broken down. Their spirit is wounded. Their soul is injured. Paul, when I called you to Macedonia, I need you to trust me. I'm going to lead you and guide you into places. Hallelujah. And I will never leave you. And I I will never forsake you. I'm with you. I'm going to take you in. There's a prison, Paul. And there's some prisoners in that prison. Now listen, I know you don't think you belong in prison. I know you don't think you deserve to go to prison. I understand all that. But I need a praiser in that prison. I need a praiser in that prison because everybody in that prison has got shackles. Shackles on their wrist, shackles on their ankles, shackles on their soul, shackles on their mind. They can't think out of this box right now, Paul. And the last thing in the world they want to do is praise me. But if they'll praise me, I can set them free. If they'll praise me, I can break the shackles. If they'll praise me. If they'll praise me, I can step down into any set of circumstances and break those chains. But somebody's got to teach them how to praise me. So you ready, Paul? Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Then let's go. Because we're going down to where there's an audience who can't hear you where you've been preaching. So Paul and Silas go down. And listen, listen, just a little note to the devil. If you want to shut Paul and Silas down, the last place you need to put them is in prison. He didn't have the benefit of reading Acts chapter 16. But thank God we have the benefit of reading Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are taken down into that jail. And the folks, listen, this was, we don't know who was in that prison. We don't know what they were in there for. And if the prison, prison guards acted anything like and the merchantmen acted anything like they did in the case of Paul and Silas, there were probably a lot of people in there that didn't belong in there. Paul and Silas did not belong in there. This was a corrupt community. They didn't like the fact that this woman converted to Jesus Christ and now no longer is on the psychic hotline and now they're not able to fill their coffers with money that she was providing them. So they just pulled a few strings, pulled a few levers and got Paul and Silas cast into prison. That's corruption. And Paul and Silas were unduly cast into prison. And they walked by that, those prisoners in that prison and there were folks in there that were in there perhaps for murder and folks in there that were in there for being falsely accused of murder and there were folks in there that crossed up somebody powerful in the wrong way and there were thieves and robbers there were rapists there were drug dealers there were all kinds of people there were white-collar criminals there were people who acted in rage and, and committed crimes of passion there were all kinds of people in there and Paul and Silas walked in and the only thing they were in there for was praise I didn't come here to stay. I came here to praise. I came here to praise. I don't know what kind of prison you're in right now, but you didn't go there to stay. You came there to praise. I'm going to say that again because some of you thought that cancer was going to keep you in bondage forever. You didn't come into cancer to stay. You came into cancer to praise. 
Some of you thought you were going to be in diabetes for the rest of your life. You didn't come into diabetes forever. You came because God needed a praiser in the prison. There's a lot of prisoners who have been beaten down, shut down. A lot of prisoners who regret their choices, who regret their decisions, and are stuck for the rest of their lives according to this world system. But God is ready to set people free. God is ready to break the chain. May I remind you why Jesus stepped into this world? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised, the opening of the door to them that are bound. Listen, folks, I understand. Listen, I understand. We're living in a fallen earth. We're living in a fallen world. And there are a lot of people uncontrollable. Like the demoniac. The demoniac was uncontrollable. They had to do what they had to do. And you know what they could do? They could wrap him up in chains and tie him to some tombstone. And you know what he would do? He would break the chains. They created rules. He broke the rules. They created more regulation, he broke more regulation. They put more regulation, he broke that. More regulation, he broke that. Because it was an internal thing. (laughs) But when Jesus stepped onto the shores, that man who had legions of demons inside of him, that had tormented him, held him in bondage, held him in captivity, but his soul cried out. His soul cried out. And there was no devil in hell that could prevent his soul from crying out. His soul cried out. He ran to Jesus. Oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it this morning. Help me, Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus Christ. He ran to Jesus and he worshiped him. When he worshiped him, Jesus cast the devils out of him and into the swine. The man, when the story is over, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. And in his right mind. There's no chain on him. There's no chain on him. There's no regulation or rule governing him. He is simply cleansed. Made whole. Delivered. That's what Jesus wants to do for people. But there's a lot of people bound by a lot of stuff. I know you might be going through a valley of fear right now, but there are a lot of people in that valley of fear. You're going down with a different perspective than them. You're going down as a praiser. God is allowing a praiser into the prison of fear. It's an inside job because he's getting ready to bring everybody who's dealing with fear around you. He's going to bring all of them out. Oh, hallelujah. The apostle Paul and Silas walked down into the prison. And when they sat in that prison, the Bible says that they did what they do. Wherever they are, they sang praises and prayed unto God. At midnight, I'm talking about midnight. I'm talking about there are no candles anywhere. I'm talking about it's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's midnight. It's done. It's over. This is depressing. This is horrible. I thought we were called. I thought God had a purpose for me I thought God had anointed me I didn't know he's gonna give up on I'd have never come to Macedonia if I'd have known this that's not what they did because they were called by God to praise in the prison I get joy when I think about what he's done for me I get joy when I think about what he's done for me I get joy when I think about what he's done for me when I think of what he's done joy when I think about what he's done for me I get joy when I think about what he's done for me I get joy when I think about Oh, 
you can't tell it like I tell it what is done for me. Oh, you can't tell it like I tell it what is done for me. Oh, you can't tell it like I tell it what is done for me when I think of what he's done for me. That's what they did. They praised him. They praised him. Shackles on their hands, but they praised him. Shackles on their feet, but they praised him. Shackles on their children, but they praised him. Shackles on their marriage, but they praised him. Shackles around their home, but they praised him. Shackles around their mind, but they praised him. I said they praised him. And by the time they got done praising him, the Bible said suddenly, suddenly, I'm going to tell you something, folks. It will happen suddenly. I know you've been waiting years, but if you praise him, it'll happen suddenly. I said, I know you've been waiting decades, but if you praise him right now, it can happen suddenly. Suddenly, 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 suddenly. There was a great earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison. I like that because it didn't shake the prison like we would have shaken the prison. You know how I would have tried to get out of the prison? I'd have gone to the bars, took my little metal coffee cup clanging on the bar let me out of here that's how my flesh tries to get out got a little fingernail file start sawing but that's not how God does it God doesn't deal with the symptoms God doesn't deal with man-made locks God doesn't deal with man-made bars God goes to the foundation I said God goes to the foundation he goes to your childhood he'll go down to the root of the problem he'll go down to where this thing first started Hey, I don't know if you deserve to be in this prison or not, but praise him. I don't know if you did something to be in this prison or if you've been falsely accused. It really doesn't matter. Praise him. I said it really doesn't matter. Praise him. the Bible said it said the prisoners heard them the prisoners hear Paul getting his praise on thank you Jesus thank you for saving me thank you for picking me up thank you for washing me in the blood of the Lamb thank you for forgiving me of my sins thank you for cleansing my mind thank you for taking all of the filth from my soul thank you Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I praise you. I worship you. I give you glory. I give you honor. The prisoners are hearing this. So when the earthquake came, they knew who sent it. Every murderer in that prison, the bands came off. Every falsely accused murderer in that prison, the bands came off. Every drug dealer in that prison, the bands came on. What was Jesus doing? He was doing for every one of those prisoners what he did for the demoniac. I'm getting ready to make you free. Anybody ever known what it's like to be in a, any kind of prison? Natural Spiritual, mental, emotional, when the bars were so tight and the locks were so shut and every time you tried to break free, there was some kind of a, maybe it was a demonic taskmaster that wouldn't let you out but beat you back down into your condemnation, said you don't belong out there, you belong in here, you belong in here forever, there's no way you can get out of, anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you something about you that the world won't tell you, you are a praiser said you are a praiser you were made to praise him you were meant to praise him he saved you to praise him he brought you out of darkness into this marvelous light that you would show forth the praises 
Hey, I've dealt with fear, but I'm going to praise him in my fear. Hallelujah. I've dealt with sickness, but I'm going to praise him in my sickness. Come on, I've dealt with shame, but I'm going to praise him in my shame. You know what's happening? People's bands are falling off. The doors are opening. I said the bands are falling off and the doors are opening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to sing. We're getting ready to shout. But I want to know if there's a praiser who will praise him before the music starts. crisis there's somebody going through the same crisis you're gonna break their prison door open you're gonna break their prison door open come on somebody dance 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 before the Lord dance before the Lord somebody leap for joy somebody leap for joy I want everybody who's dealing with sickness, physical sickness. I want all the praisers who are in the prison of sickness. I want you to praise him right now. Praise him in that prison. Praise him in that prison. There's an earthquake coming. I said there's an earthquake coming. I want everybody who's dealing with fear right now, everybody who's in the prison of fear, I want you right in the middle of that prison. Lift up your voice and praise the Lord. Everybody who's dealing with condemnation and shame, you feel so guilty because you know what you've done and the devil is telling you you'll never break free. I want to tell you there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit in the middle of that condemnation. Praise him. Praise him. I want everybody in a difficult relationship right now, be it a marriage, be it your child, be it your parent, be it a co-worker, you're in a difficult relationship. Lift up your hands and praise him right now. You're breaking free from that prison right now. Come on, you're breaking free from that prison. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more shame. No more condemnation. No more fear. Peace. Peace in your home. Peace in your family. Peace in your marriage. Peace in your workplace. Peace. Peace. Peace like a river. Peace like a river. Peace like a
everything that hath breath. Praise ye the Lord. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. was hiding behind the rocks. They were terrified of Goliath the giant. A lot like your world, your family, the people in your life, they're terrified of what has come against your family. But God said, I know somebody who can take this giant. I know it'll be scary. I know it'll be fearful. But David, I need a praiser for this prison. Israel is shut down. Israel's in a prison. But David, I need you to step out on that battlefield and give me praise. I wonder if there's somebody right now on behalf of your family, on behalf of those in your life, step out onto the battlefield and give him praise. Give him praise. That wonderful name of Jesus. No 
somebody who has said in the last month, I just don't know what to do. I want everybody to repent because you know exactly what to do. You know exactly what to do. When you don't know what to do, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him with your voice, praise him with your hands, praise him with your feet, praise him on the stringed instruments, praise him on the loud cymbals, praise him on the highest habits. Woo, let everything that has breath praise you the Lord, praise you the Lord, praise you the Lord. Since I lay 